<clears throat> Micah 5, 2 through 5a. But you, Bethlehem, let me get back here a little more. Ephrath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth and from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. Um, Psalm 81 through 7. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come save us. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in great measure. You have made us a strife to our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. It's Hebrews ten five through 10. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have not taken pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second, and by this will you have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 55. Mary didn't waste a minute. She got up and traveled to a town in Judah in the hill country straight to Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the babe in her womb leaped. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly, you are so blessed among women and the babe in your womb also blessed. And why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? The moment the sound of your greeting entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. Blessed woman who believed what God said and believed every word would come true. And Mary said, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. 
His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe of him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattering the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet, the callous rich left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. Amen. I love the scripture readings this morning. Uh, Just for those of you that don't know, we're reading something a little bit more liturgical. Uh, For those that come from a liturgical background, more of the traditional... um, church background that there would be these readings that would happen during Advent, and this is the fourth Sunday of Advent as we prepare for Christmas, uh, which is coming soon, right? Yeah. So um, some of us are more excited about that than others, right? But can you guys get, can you own that, I am chosen? chosen. So I'm looking around. I don't know that you guys are convinced. Jesus came that we could be chosen, that we could be secure in who God's called us to be. I I think that's just crazy fun stuff this morning. So yeah, exactly. So we don't have to wallow in insecurity or shame or wondering anymore. Lowell, you're chosen. That's some pretty fun stuff. You know what's even crazier? Josiah, you're chosen. Yeah? Yeah. Well, good morning, everybody. It's almost Christmas, or as as my granddaughter calls it, Chrism. It's the Chrism. It's the Chrism season. I know, and it's so sad. So, um, she can say both. So, uh, let's take a moment and greet one another. We're going to continue in worship in a moment. And, um, kids, we got something happening this morning. It's kind of our annual thing, and, um, but not yet. Awesome and great is your name. Oh, that's what I got to do, right? So, kids, I have some instructions for you. I don't know how many years we've been doing this, but it's been a long time. Maybe 26? Close to, anyway. That we've been, uh, we've been building graham cracker houses since Zach was little. That's a long time. So uh, here's, here's where we go. Um, Katie is already downstairs for you. And when I count to three, you may go slowly. slowly. But um, if you're going to do it, you need to work together. You need to listen to instructions. And uh, this is basically from age... 
very little to Caleb Pryor's age. If he wants to go down. He may not want to because like it's like sitting at the kids' table during Christmas dinner, right? I finally graduated to the adult section, and now I'm just going to be back at the kids' table. So um, if you want to go down, one, two, three, go. Look at how orderly. Back to the kids' table for you, Caleb. <laughs> Demoted. He tried. He tried giving the excuse. I can help. I'm a helper. Yeah. We know how that's. I can help eat the candy. That's what you're saying. Yeah, it is helping, that's for sure. So, it's that time of year when uh, some people are traveling, and I encourage you guys to keep people in prayer as they are traveling for Christmas. As we were singing um, Glory in the Highest, I was just thinking of, of how often we sing words to songs that I don't know that we really comprehend or give a whole lot of thought to. And um, this morning, as we were singing, glory in the highest, I'm thinking, yeah, high Lord, so up above all of us, and, and yet that's not scriptural completely. There is truth that he is exalted high above, but you know where God loves to dwell? In his people. So I was just thinking about glory in the highest, just a little, I I don't know, I'm going to say that I think this is a God thing, and I can back it up scripturally, that what what I sensed the Lord speaking to me at that moment was, When you guys say glory in the highest, I want you to know where I want to glory in the highest degree is in you. I want to glory in my people. And, And then I thought of this verse, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That... As it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Glory in the highest, Lord. Glory in your people. Amen? Amen. So, we've been uh, talking about moving towards Bethlehem. 
in this uh, Advent season. And we're almost there. You guys realize that? You know, if, if, if all of the dates were completely accurate and we were on this multi-day journey, we would be probably getting real close, maybe enough to where at night we could see the lights from Bethlehem. I don't know. But you're getting closer. And um, I just think it's so cool that it's the candle of peace today because I don't know if I was on a long trip. Now, for those of you that haven't been a part of this series, just catch you up real quick that, that what we're talking about is this trek from Bethlehem was about a 90-mile journey on foot. And when we think 90-mile journey, don't we think of here to Billings? You know, that's easy. We can do that an hour and a half, two hours at the most. An hour if you're Justin. You guys, you guys understand that that our distance and time do not match up with, with what they experienced in the Bible. And so when we look at some of these things, it's good for us to make an adjustment and understand that this was a multi-day journey and we're almost there. And if you are that pregnant, now I've never been pregnant before, but I've lived with my wife who's been through three pregnancies and... I know that when it comes to close to that time, the last thing she wants to do is travel. Especially on a donkey, exactly. <laughs> so here we are moving towards this place. And uh, so what I want to talk about today in, in this process of, of getting from point A to point B, that that Jesus, you know, is coming, and we look back on that in retrospect, but we also look ahead in expectation of his coming again. So today, I'm gonna, I, I want to tell you that the focus that instills peace in the midst of an intimidating mission is what we're going to talk about. The coming of Messiah is no small mission, would you agree? This is big stuff. This is God stuff. His coming is a focus that can instill peace, even though it's kind of intimidating. Joseph and Mary had some understanding of what was going on. The angelic encounters that both of them had informed them to some degree of what's going to happen. But how many of you would probably think, you know, if I was going to take an honest look at this, and if angel of the Lord showed up and started speaking to Hans, about something that's never happened before, Hans might have a little bit of trouble downloading all of that information at one time. I got pieces and parts, and I'm going with what I, what I can handle right now. I don't remember everything, but I believe God is in the midst of this. Mary's encounter with her relative Elizabeth, we heard Tommy read that this morning. I want to focus on that again. So if, if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 1, I invite you to do that with me. Mary's encounter with her relative Elizabeth also confirmed that something was very, something that, that was very unique was happening. 
So Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39, it says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to, to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. So, so Elizabeth! Okay, so this is what's happening. Elizabeth, and it says, when she heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want you guys to just take, take a moment and think about that. Now, again, I've never been pregnant, but for the ladies here that have been, um, I know from watching... My wife, I remember one, one time that we went to the laser light show at OMSI in Portland, and you weren't real impressed with that because our firstborn at that time was doing somersaults in her womb to the music. I don't know if you guys have ever been to one of those laser light shows around Christmas time, but it's... What's that? It was loud. I liked it. She wasn't a big fan, but apparently our son was having a blast, but it was very uncomfortable. So I don't know what Elizabeth is saying here when she says, the baby leaped in my womb if it was a, ow, if there was a bit of a discomfort in that and she was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. But then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Listen... Catch that, that little phrase there. Blessed is she who believed. You guys could hang on to that. Just kind of hang on to that up here and in your heart for a moment as I continue reading. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. So let's focus on a few things that are happening there. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. On this side of the cross, on this side of Pentecost, that, that may be one of those things, well, of course she was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's uh, Every good believer should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, this is, remember, we're coming off of 400 years of silence. From Malachi to Jesus' coming, there's been 400 years of silence. Prophets aren't talking. They're not 
giving a word from the Lord. There's just this silent period that Israel endured. And so there's, we're looking at Elizabeth and Zacharias. We're looking at Joseph and Mary. And we're, and we're looking at four people who apparently had this very strong faith, this very strong belief in God still, even though they've went through a drought, an incredibly long drought of not hearing from the Lord. So when it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, that was a very unique thing at that time. And by the way, I don't think this was the usual greetings and responses for women in those days. I don't know for sure, but to come in and say you are blessed among all women. To me, that, what that's saying is you stand out as the most blessed of all. Again, I don't know how many women say things like, your womb is blessed. And that may have even been maybe kind of a common thing because to, to not bear children, you were looked upon as, you know, you're barren and, and it's because God has not smiled on you. So maybe that was even, maybe that, that's okay. Maybe that was kind of a usual thing. But for her to say, the mother of my Lord, the older, the much older to the younger saying, who am I that the mother of my Lord would show up here? Again, no small statement. I heard your voice and the baby I'm carrying leaped. That's a pretty strong word. Mary's response is also no small thing. My soul magnifies the Lord. The problem with me, whenever I think of magnification, I'm always thinking of when I was a kid with a magnifying glass looking for an ant to fry. Right? So I'm thinking a magnifying glass, you take something very small to make it bigger. But when the scripture is talking about magnifying the Lord, it's not because God is small. It's because that our perspective of God is small. And so when it says that my soul magnifies the Lord, it's what a lot of what we did in worship is we are repositioning our hearts and our minds to realize God's big. And when we say when we sang, I am chosen. Wow. You, you guys see that there's a magnification taking place, but it's not a magnifying of trying to take a small God and make him larger. It's for me to take my small perspective and embrace the largeness of what God is doing in my life. So when Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord, she's saying, who am I at the core of my being? And then she's realizing the enormity of just how big God is and how big his plan is. My spirit has rejoiced in the God of my Savior. The God of my Savior, again, that's one of those things that we can just glance right over. We can just say, well, of course. God, Savior, yeah, that's all all going together. That isn't normally where they lived after 400 years of not hearing from God. That wasn't the norm at that time. And for her to have that means that there's a revelation going on There's a 
a revealing of God showing to Mary how big what is going on inside of her really is. This was new stuff. Messiah's arrival and Mary is processing this information with wonder. And finally, one of the other things that is said, he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Mary understands, I'm not worthy of this assignment. I'm not worthy. And, and there's many other statements that are made that we could reflect on in what Mary's song is there. But the circumstances, as we've talked about, didn't necessarily fit into, you know, this is, this is happening early on. This is before Caesar Augustus had this wild idea. Hey, let's count everybody. And let's have, let's have everybody return to their hometown. So as they're moving from Nazareth to Bethlehem, if they were anything like the Israelites coming out of Egypt, they may have had some moments where they went, this stinks. Literally. This donkey has gas. Yeah, I don't, you know, again, you guys, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or anything like that. I'm, I'm wanting us to understand that this isn't a pretty fairy tale. This is real life happening and God working in the midst of real lives to bring forth his plan. They're moving from point A to point B. They're moving from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that God's word can be fulfilled where Messiah will come from. And it's their faith in God that makes peace possible in their moving. Let me say that again. It's their faith in God that makes peace a possibility in their moving from Nazareth to Bethlehem. When I think of the enormity of what Mary was told and what Joseph was told, that would overwhelm me. If I were to put myself in their shoes and, and, and just think, wow, I don't know how this is going to happen, it would overwhelm me, but instead what I see with Joseph and Mary is I see peace. I see joy, I see hope, I see love. So here we go. Listen very carefully. God has chosen to bring his only son into the world through the lives of Joseph and Mary. Penny, we know this. We've heard the Christmas story so many times. And yet, church, I believe we miss so many details because that's the problem. We've heard the Christmas story so many times that we miss the details. There is something intimidating about that mission. Would you agree? Have you ever been asked to do something that intimidated you? Connie and I were watching a show the other night. We like watching this one particular show because it's some of you probably seen it. I'm not going to name the show. Well, maybe I will, but it's, it's about a businessman who invests his money to help st struggling businesses. That's, that's basically the premise of the show. And uh, the one that we watched the other night, the couple he worked with, had done, they had done well in just two years. They moved from one location in the country to this other place, and 
Um, in two years' time, they had actually gotten their business up operating pretty well. The community was very supportive of them. They were doing really well within two years' time. But they had reached a place where they were kind of stuck, and they wrote into this show and asked for this guy's help because they wanted to grow their business, but they didn't know what to do, and they believed this businessman would be able to help. And so what this businessman does typically is he goes in with struggling businesses, figures out if it's worth his time, worth his investment, and he usually invests a fairly sizable amount of money, and then he invests his expertise, his team's expertise, in doing all of these other things that will help this business grow. And the reason why I'm telling this story is because I so much appreciated the fact that this couple both felt, and it was obvious in the show, they both felt unworthy. They both felt, at times, shame that, that they had to ask for help. And at one point, the husband gets incredibly emotional, and I'm just thinking, wow, what he asked you to do was not hard. It was very, very simple. But for that man, it was incredibly hard. And then, and, and Connie and I could especially relate to this, where they went to the toy market. They, were, they had a toy store, and uh, they went to the toy market, and you guys... Going to market sounds like it's fun. But when Connie and I go to market, it's work. And, and, and you just can't understand that. When you go and you just went through Christmas time, we'll go at the end of January and we'll go to market. And Connie, the first time we did this, she got crazy overwhelmed. Both of us were overwhelmed because we're buying Christmas for next year or for that year. So in January, you're buying all of what you think you might sell for Christmas that year. And um, so this couple's there, and they're buying toys that they think will sell, and the wife is, has shown that she's really, really good at buying the right toys because they sell. Because part of, part of the show I didn't tell you about is they go through the aisles, and they started removing all the toys that weren't selling. In two years' time, you have a pretty good idea what wasn't selling. The businessman says... Who bought these toys? Husband said. Obviously, the husband should not be buying toys for the toy store. Because whatever the wife was buying was selling and they needed more of. But here, this wife is at the toy market and she's having an emotional breakdown because she doesn't feel worthy doesn't feel equipped, even though they've had success, that inadequacy is just boiling to the surface. And what I love about this is, is the businessman not only has invested a sizable portion of money to get them to another level in their business, but he's standing there saying, you know what you're doing. You can do this. You've already proven yourself. I believe in you. They began to see that they could do the things he was asking them to do because he was affirming their gifts and their talents. 
I want to submit to you that God knew that Joseph and Mary could do what he wanted to do in and through them. He believed in them. And Joseph and Mary believed in God. And because of this, even though they were going through an incredibly intimidating time, there was peace going on in their hearts. His spirit was at work. Listen to this very carefully because this is, this is the definition of grace. His spirit was at work to lead them in a way that he could not only favor them, but show his favor to the rest of the world. That sounds crazy big time to me. Because if grace is, if the grace of God is God moving by the power of his spirit on Tommy's spirit to help Tommy walk in a way that God can favor, if that's the best definition of grace. But if we take that and let's, let's notch that up a bunch, bunch more times and say the grace of God to lead Tommy in a way that he can favor her and show his favor to the world through Tommy, it just went up several notches. Would you agree? That God's grace isn't just him giving you what you don't deserve. It's much more involved than that. And that's the problem. The church has, has cheapened grace, not in kind of the, the way that we typically think of, well, it's cheap grace. No, when we say that it's just God giving us something we don't deserve, we're, we're losing the significance. It's God's spirit actively working on your spirit to lead you in a way that he can favor. But I'd submit to you that God at that point in time was not just leading Joseph and Mary in a way that he could favor them. He was also leading them in a way that he could favor, show his favor to the rest of the world. Would you agree? The mission was intimidating. Their faith in God that he knew what he was up to. It goes back to, to my illustration of that businessman. When, when you're talking to a businessman who takes businesses regularly and causes them to grow, when you take a, a business that's been doing a million dollars a year and you turn it into a hundred million dollars a year, would you agree that maybe he might know something? See, our God takes people who are nothing. He takes people who are most people would say, they don't exist. Now I'm going to mess with everybody's minds. I think that's the God we serve. I think he enjoys showing off. You guys thought this person was nobody. Watch. Their faith in God, the mission was intimidating. Their faith in God to get his work accomplished. Their faith in God made a way for his peace to sustain them. So here's the point of what I'm talking about this morning. God has chosen you and I to bring forth his son and his kingdom. Kenny, I liked it better when you were talking about Mary and Joseph. That's better. That's not as intimidating to me. God has chosen you and I to bring forth his son to the world. To bring forth his kingdom to the world. Can you guys say intimidating?
I don't know, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of times when I don't believe in my ability to do that. And, and I want to make a really important point. God believes in you, but that's not, that's not really the big thing. The, the really big thing is God believes in his son's ability in you. God believe, believes in his son's capability to do what's necessary to show his glory. Our assignment then. I got to look at this for a second because believe in his son's capability to do what he said in you. That's our part. Let me, let me read this verse real quick. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? And the peace of God, which surpasses all Understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Our assignment in this is not to believe more in yourself. Elaine, if you just believe in yourself. No, that's, that's not the point of what is being told here. The angel doesn't show up and tell Mary, Mary, believe in yourself. Mary says, how's this going to happen? I don't even know a man. So she understands general biology, right? And the angel doesn't say, Mary, if you just believe in yourself, you can conceive on your own. No. That's not what's happening here. That belief in his ability will bring you peace. John 5, 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. For, For Mary, the passing from death into life was when she realized, I can't do this, and God said, I can. And Mary simply said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Here I am, if you can use me. I'm here for you. And that same invitation is still out there waiting for God's people to embrace that. It's not, again, believe in yourself. It's believe in him. Isaiah 26.3, I love this verse. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So there's this belief, and resulting peace. You guys see that? Am I communicating that well enough? But you guys can see it's the belief in his ability that brings a peace in the midst of whatever circumstance you may be in. His advent, his coming, requires a focus on his ability to use whomever he wills. That focus then instills peace in the midst of an intimidating mission. 
his coming in our community. His coming when Justin is working on a job site, putting pipe together, and he's working with other guys, and, and maybe they say something that, that Justin says, man, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, I don't, I don't know how to, to talk to them about Jesus and that's that part. But that focus on his ability is going to cause you to have peace in the midst of those times. Because we're bringing his coming to our community, whether you're delivering Coca-Cola, whether you're working at the hospital, where, wherever you may be, this is about his coming through your lives. And that's the greatest story about Christmas. That's the greatest story of Advent is because Jesus didn't just come into the world to save us and suck us out of the world. He came to save us, to empower us, to reach the world. That's why he could say, it's better for me to go and be with the Father so I can send your Holy Spirit because you guys are going to do greater things. And we always think, I think, in terms of greater things that we're going to have wild and crazy healing services and we're going to have this and we're going to have that. But I think the wild and crazy, you guys, is honestly you just allowing Jesus to use you wherever you're at with whatever skills and talents you possess. He's coming again. And, and, and we could say, we could pause here for a minute. He's coming again. And again, and again, and again. And, and what I mean by that is God is using our lives to prepare the way for the, the Messiah to come into people's lives. But what the church looked at is his coming again, that what Jesus said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And take, and, and you will be with me always. But it still requires our focus on his ability to use us. The mission is overwhelming. We may not feel like we have what it takes on a daily basis. And we don't. Again, it's not a matter of, Keith, believe more in yourself, buddy. You need to just pull this together. No, it's a matter of, God, if you can use a donkey... Our sufficiency is in Christ. Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Okay, hold on to that. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you. God with us, God in us. And there's this old song we used to sing a lot. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, his name is called Emmanuel. God with us. Here's the, here's the intimidating part. Revealed in us. 
his name is called Emmanuel. I don't know. I'm, I might just be excited about this. But I think what I'm talking about this morning is crazy big stuff. It's God-sized work. Church, you and I need him more than ever. And our response needs to be, behold, your servants, O Lord. We're available for whatever you want to do. Wherever you want to do it, however you want to do it. Just honestly, how many of you ever feel intimidated? Okay. We sang a song. I'm, I'm going to ask Jackie come back up and lead us in this again. This is why it's so important. So, I, and I don't know. You guys might not catch the significance. Maybe it just means more to me. But that businessman, I don't think he's a Christian. But I think he's using his gifts and talents that God has given him probably way more than a lot of Christians do. Because what he's doing, and you can say, oh, he's doing it for TV and he's making more money. And you can make all the excuses you want. But here's, here's the point. Those two, that couple, when he left them, felt more empowered, more, felt more equipped felt more confident about what they were doing than, the, than when he showed up. When, when we sing, I am chosen, in the rest of that song, I want you guys to allow that to go to the depth of your heart and allow God to minister something that would drive the doubt and fear away so that you can embrace that his calling, wherever you're at, It's not a matter of, Hans, how much can you preach Jesus while you're painting houses? It's a matter of how can you be Jesus to the people around you? How can you just love them? How can you leave a deposit of affirming them, you know, in their life at at that place? You don't have to lead them to Jesus at that moment. Jesus just needs to show up in Hans Schnackenberg. Does that make sense, you guys? It's not a matter of trying to preach the, you know, a five-point sermon or a three-point sermon and lead them to Jesus at that moment, just allow Jesus to help you do a good job at what you're doing. Because that has power in our world. And I want to end with this verse, and we're going to sing this song. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us cast off the works of feeling insecure, incapable. Let us cast off those things that the enemy wants to keep us bound in so that we don't allow the the day to come forth. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. 
It's high time, church. <laughs> it's high time for the coming of Christ to come through his, his people. And it doesn't happen here in this room as much as it really is meant to happen wherever you're at the rest of today, where you're at Monday morning, where you're at Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, I know Tuesday's Christmas. But wouldn't it be great if Jesus showed up at your home on Christmas? At that moment when you want to get stressed and angry because the gravy didn't turn out. I said, I guess we'll have butter. Lord, thank you that you've chosen us.